welcome to this latest InfraDig podcast, the latest in a series recorded at IDB's PPP Americas conference in Panama. Me, I'm Angus Leslie Melville, and I'm editorial director of IG Global Infrastructure Journal, and I also host the InfraDig podcast. I have with me today Jonathan Bernal, Vice President for Structuring at the National Infrastructure Agency for Colombia. Uh, Jonathan, welcome to InfraDig. Thank you so much for this invitation. Not at all. Great to have you here. Fantastic event, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, I'm looking forward to hearing about your plans for PPP in Colombia. Uh, now, Colombia is no stranger to PPP and it features heavily in our latest IJ Global Regional League tables for having recently closed the Via Forti Express project, uh, which is the largest PPP to have closed in LATAM this half. So, well done on that. Um, due to the focus you have on infrastructure and the role you play in government, Jonathan, um, I'd be keen to hear your thoughts about the direction for PPP in Colombia. Can you please start us off by giving your view of the government's commitment to PPP as a financing model to deliver greenfield infrastructure investments? Regarding greenfield projects, we are mainly developing some highways. There is a project, and we talked about it in the panel today, which is a road connection between the center of the country to the Caribbean ports. This road has a small bottleneck between the Villeta and Guadas, two municipalities in the middle of the country. This area has unfavorable geography, so we're planning to build a system of viaducts, tunnels and excavations stretching more than 18 kilometers. This new project is valued around $1.3 billion, and we expect to take it to market next year, publishing pre-bidding specifications this year and awarding it in 2024. Another important greenfield project is the Pasto Popayan Highway. Due to climate conditions, landslides have disconnected the center of the country with highways to Ecuador. The project will solve this geological flaw by using what's historically been known as the Timbio El Estanquillo Bypass. This project will be the largest concession in Colombia's history, valued at around $1.5 billion for capital and operational costs. The bypass alone is over 62 kilometers. Another important greenfield project is the Bayunca Airport. This would be the second airport servicing the city of Cartagena, Colombia's tourist center. Right now, the project is a private initiative without public funds, presented by a company that's well respected in Colombia and across Latin America. We should open the procurement process in October 2024 and award it by August 2025 the latest. Okay, uh, thank you for that. Uh, let's take a look at the national infrastructure priorities, the anticipated pipeline of projects that we can expect in the near future. Um, transport has played a significant role in the Colombian uh, PPP market to date. In more recent times, we've been looking at the 4G program and then the 5G program. Can you please run us through the priorities of these two transport investment programs? Yes, the government has two main priorities. One is to reactivate the country's rail network. This we're doing in four phases. We've already awarded two concession contracts, one between Bogotá and Belencito, between the middle of the country to an area in the department of Boyacá. This will allow for industrial goods ready to steel production to be more easily transported. We awarded this in March this year. A few weeks ago, we also awarded the La Dorada Chiriguana Railway, which runs through the whole central part of the country and connects to ports in the Caribbean. 
The order contract will run for one year, while the long-term PPP contract for the railway is finalized. The long-term project will be the first PPP under Colombia's new PPP law. The estimated investment cost for this project is around $330 million and it will have a 10-year concession term. The 10-year term is deliberate because it lines up with another rail concession between Chiriguana and Santa Marta, whose current concession runs out in 2030. Ani wants to merge the two concessions under the same contract sometime between 2030 and 2032 to create a rail corridor from La Dorada to Santa Marta. We expect to go to to start this process by the end of 2023. Another part of the National Rail Program is to connect ports on the Pacific coast with those on the Caribbean coast. We have signed an agreement with Colombian Development Bank, FDN, to study where to connect this Pacific rail line with the Central Corridor. This can be done through three departments, Antioquia, Caldas or Tolima. This pre-feasibility study is already awarded and should be done next March. We are supported in this process by a German entity and the Garrigas law firm to procure the feasibility study next year and award the project before 2026. The other corridor is to connect Bogota with the central corridor. Pre-feasibility studies will be awarded in the coming weeks. The investment cost for the Pacific corridor will be around 4 billion in investment costs. For the Bogota central corridor line, the investment cost will be some 1.4 billion USD and Dorada Chiriguana some 330 million because it is shorter. The second big priority for the government is airports. In Colombia, airport projects are financed by fees paid by concessionaires. They do not require future resources or general state budgets, but are financed by ancillary services, use of roads, land services. Besides the Bayunca airport that I've already mentioned, we have opened a process to modernize the existing Rafael Núñez airport in Cartagena by constructing a new international terminal and remodeling the existing terminal. Investment cost will be $100 million. When it comes to airports, the investment cost and operational costs are similar for an 8.5-year concession such as this one. We expect to award the project in November 2024 and there are three groups currently vying for it. It is important to clarify here that there is investment confidence in the projects procured by ANI. We also have the San Andres Airport. This project entails almost a total remodeling of the airport. The investment cost will be around 70 million USD. We should be starting the procurement process in December and award the project next September at the latest to bring in 2.8 million passengers to the island. We're also advancing the Cali Airport, one of the most important airports in the country, and the Buenaventura Airport, with investments over 160 million USD. We should start the procurement process in first quarter next year and award the project before end of 2024. These projects will upgrade the airport's capacities from 5.5 million passengers to over 15.2 million. Finally, we have also divided the Bogota airport into two concessions, one for the operation of air services and another for the expansion of land operations and subsequently assuming responsibility for the air concession. We are evaluating the air concession and should start the procurement process in February 2024 and award in December 2025 with an investment of over 138 million USD. Basically, works included in the land concession are repaving fast exit lanes and connecting the south and north runways. Feasibility studies are currently underway to determine how to best develop the airport. When you look at the Bogota airport, you see that it resembles a capital H without one of the lines. We will add over 96 jet bridges. 
One part of the terminal area will be as large as the future airport of Cartagena, we talked about earlier, with investments over 1.38 billion USD. It will be the biggest airport project we will tender, at the latest in March 2025, giving the airport a capacity of 65 million passengers. Tourism in Colombia is currently growing and surpassing the growth levels pre-COVID. Okay. Talking to my LATAM infrastructure reporter, Adrian Ganich, um, he, he was telling me that the next program is well on its way, and surprise, surprise, it's called 6G. Who'd have seen that coming? Um, I gather this one, however, will focus more on rail investments than the previous programs that were dominated by highways, as you've been saying. Uh, this will involve road investments too, but can you, can you please give us an idea of how this is going to be divided? Yes, well, we're not dividing but complementing. It is called 6G because it includes parts of what we had in the 5G. This is important to state. All infrastructure projects have provisions to develop social infrastructure. The concessionaire doesn't only build the port, highway or airport, but also schools and health centers to help Colombia develop. What 6G does is to use toll surpluses in a way that softens the financing for the concessionaire. There are road concessions in the country that collect payments once a year to alleviate some financial pressure. That's not all. We also talk about liens on immovable property. Previously, regional liens have been charged and not national. Now, national fees will be collected so that revenue can be reinvested into national infrastructure. Another important element is how our process impacts the major cities. Normally, we have done big infrastructure projects, but we don't necessarily talk to the cities. This is kind of a summary of what 6G will be. There is more. There are highway projects. Beyond Villeta Guadas, there is Paso Popayán Highway. Last week, we finished turns for the legal, technical and economic process for the first third of the Bogotá Via Vicencio Road, a historic work we want to add, award while in office. We are also incentivizing private initiatives. There are four. One completes a dual carriageway between Bogotá and Medellín. Another takes over the operation and management of the Tunnel de la Línea and for and constructing a bypass in Cajamarca. The other two initiatives are the road between Córdoba and Sucre and a central connection, encompassing the entire Autopistas del Café project and completing the dual carriageway between the central highways and the ports in Buenaventura. Fabulous. Um, let's switch away from transport for the moment. Um, as we've been hearing here at the IDB conference, PVP Americas, um, it's not only transport that needs investment. Uh, healthcare is one of the regional priorities. Can you give us some details on Colombia's plans for PPP in the health sector? I have some big news regarding ANI. Some one and a half months ago, the National Development Law was approved, allowing ANI to structure and support social and productive infrastructure projects going beyond just transport. Within this new project, there's a big priority on health. So we've been collaborating with the Ministry of Health and other state agencies to identify the current pipeline of health PPPs. We found important projects such as the hospital in Fusagasuga, a medium city, the Simon Bolivar Hospital, which will be mainly used to treat burns, and the new San Juan de Dios Hospital. These have been structured by the FDN. 
It is important to remember that FDN structured Line 1 and 2 of the Bogotá Metro and the first health PPP in Colombia, the BOSA Hospital Project. We are collaborating with the FDN to evaluate the mentioned projects and other ones prioritized by the Ministry of Health to open a procurement process for these types of projects at the end of 2024. This is a lesson learned from Brazil, Mexico and Chile. Colombia wants to start doing these types of projects at the national level. Okay, so that's transport and health covered off. Uh, one of the other major regional drivers for PPP is the water sector, and a lot of that is in wastewater. What are, what are Colombia's plans on this front? Yes, similarly to the case with health infrastructure, we find a pattern of mature projects managed by different state agencies and multilaterals, such as the Cucuta Wastewater Treatment Plant, in a municipality shared between Colombia and Venezuela. This important project is already fully structured and we are working with the Ministry of Housing to be able to go to market next year. We also find wastewater treatment plant projects in Duitama, Neiva and in Santa Marta not only wastewater plants but also aqueducts. The new legal framework also lets ANI do projects such as aqueducts as PPPs. In other sectors we find projects but these are not yet mature enough to be structured as PPPs. ANI will evaluate these projects going forward and with its experience of being involved in PPP projects valued at over 20 billion in total, it gives confidence to the market and institutions. Okay. The National Infrastructure Agency, ANI, um, has provided a key role in the delivery of projects to date. Uh, can you please give listeners to Infradix some direction as to its future involvement? Will it be getting a lot more active? Yes, realmente es mucho más activo. Yes, much more active. Our pipeline of PPP projects valued over 10 billion, and we have already awarded and signed the largest PPP in South America, the Canal del Dique project. This project is worth around 800 million USD and rehabilitates degraded ecosystems and also develops a lock and gate complex, a form of mini Panama Canal. We have already awarded this project. Regarding rail, road, and airport projects, we have, as already mentioned, sizable pipelines. In sum, in the next four years, we estimate procuring and awarding projects worth over 10 billion, benefiting over 70 million Colombians and generating over 1.5 million jobs. Can we now focus on the lending environment for PPPs in Colombia? Uh, given we're at an event that was organized by the IDB, it uh, seems only fair to ask about the role being played by development banks in Colombia. Um, how important is the role played by IDB and multilaterals in general to drive your PPP projects to a successful conclusion? I would say that multilaterals are important in two ways. I will start to talk about what we have just mentioned in healthcare and education. Thanks to technical cooperation, we have the opportunity to transform our institutions. And it was founded more than 10 years ago, but didn't evolve and specialized in roads, ports and airports. Moreover, there was no appetite for investments into rail in Colombia, despite 20% of all cargo in the country being transported by rail. Because of this, there was little organizational emphasis on rail projects. Thanks to a collaboration with the IDB, we are restructuring the agency to reflect the importance of rail to the country. 
Thanks to this cooperation, we will see some initial resources of the restructuring in the next few months and make it a full reality next year. Not only that, I had a long tenure at the National Planning Agency of Colombia, which has a loan program called the Program for Private Participation in Infrastructure. That program, in addition, was part of the drafting commission of Law 1508 of 2012, Colombia's PPP law, and from there the private participation in Colombia has never stopped. This has allowed us to issue administrative acts, regulatory decrees, the public risk allocation policy. The possibility the IDB has to review these experiences makes Colombia an example not only for Latin America and the Caribbean, but we are today top five in the world. The ANI has very strong branding internationally. Hmm. I think that brings us to a good place to draw this podcast to a conclusion. Jonathan, I'd like to thank you for taking time to join me on InfraDig. It's been most interesting. Just as a summary, do not forget that ESG projects, which have social investment issues, inclusion of infra-green guidelines, which have, has the possibility of having new sources of funding with a portfolio of more complex projects, more than 10,000 million, 10 billion USD, the country will change the life, or ANI will change the lives of 20 million Colombians and generate 9 million jobs. Excellent. That's the longest goodbye we've had. <laughs> Thank you very much, Jonathan. Um, and to the listener, as always, I sincerely hope you have found this podcast to be anything but infra-dig. <laughs>